Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Proverbs 16, verses 1 to 9. Continue reading Proverbs. The pastor's been speaking through. Books of wisdom here. Proverbs 16, 1 to 9. You can find it in Pew Bible, page 459, if you need the Pew Bible there. Let's hear what the Lord has. To man belong the plans of the heart. But from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. All a man's ways seem innocent to him. Motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. The Lord works out everything for his own ends, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. Better a little with righteousness than much with gain with much gain with injustice. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Thank you, Rick. A man by the name of Morris had just been hired as the new CEO of a large high-tech corporation. Well, prior to stepping into this new daunting position, he met with a previous CEO who was stepping down. The newly appointed CEO asked his predecessor for any advice he could give him about his new role. Well, the former CEO presented Morris with three envelopes marked number one, number two, and not marked number three. He told Morris that if he ran into any trouble to open up envelope number one, and then if he ran into more trouble, then he could open up envelope number two, and if more trouble, then open up envelope number three. Well, things went along very smoothly for the first six months, but shortly after the six months, sales took a downturn, and Morris was catching all kinds of heat. About at his wit's end, he remembered the envelopes. So he went to his desk, he found the envelope marked one and opened it, and it read, blame your predecessor. <laughs> Morris called the press conference and tactfully laid the blame at the feet of the previous CEO. Satisfied with his comments, the press and Wall Street responded positively. Sales began to pick up, and the problem was soon behind him. About a year later, The company was again experiencing a slight dip in sales combined with serious product problems. Having learned from his previous experience, the CEO went to his desk and he quickly opened the envelope marked number two. The message read, reorganize. Morris did, and the company quickly rebounded. After several consecutive profitable quarters, the company once again fell upon difficult times. Morris immediately went to his office. He closed the door. He opened the drawer of his desk. He pulled out the third and final envelope. He opened it up, and it read, 
prepare three envelopes. <laughs> He's in trouble. You see what's happening. Where do we go for guidance? When we're wondering what to do, are we to go to the Bible, open up the Bible, place our finger on a verse, and let it guide us to what to do next? Is that going to be our approach? Where do you go for guidance and how do you find it? We're all in need of guidance. Our time in the book of Proverbs is all about the ability to make right choices. It speaks to very relevant contemporary matters of guidance. Interestingly enough, one of the words for guidance used in the Old Testament literally means four ropes. Four ropes. Ropes in that day were a method of navigation. So the question throughout our time together in Proverbs is essentially this. How do you get God's guidance to navigate through life? Proverbs, which are meant to teach a lesson rather than promises to be claimed, enable us to navigate wisely around rocks, providing us with guidance for everyday issues. Like we've seen, issues like sexuality, the company we keep, handling our money, controlling our anger, and this morning's subject of how our plans fit into God's plans. This matter of planning, by the way, is very critical to our understanding of God's guidance. If we run to God and get guidance when trouble hits, like the CEO running to find the answer in an envelope, I believe we have missed the point of what God's guidance is all about. Now, let me say this at the outset, and I borrow this from Timothy Keller. Guidance is as much something God does as something God gives. Let me say that again. Guidance is as much something God does as something God gives. What this means is is that God is all about directing our lives and guiding us, all things, toward his plan and the ultimate good in the end. In the end. And while we may tend to run to God and say, God, give me guidance now. I need it now. The truth is, guidance is what he's doing all the time. So the question becomes then, how do human plans, our plans, fit into determining the guidance of God? Or simply put, are we to plan? Are we to plan? I remember seeing a poster, and you've seen it too, I'm sure, that said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Now, that may bring a smile to our face, but it's a little of an overstatement. Well, let's look at what Proverbs has to say about this matter of planning. Uh, let's look at first at the passage that was read in Proverbs 16. I want to pick out some verses from Proverbs chapter 16. If you're not there, please open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 16. And I want to start with one verse that was not read earlier, verse 33. Verse 33, Proverbs 16, 33, it says, The lot is cast into the lap, 
But it's every decision is from the Lord. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Now, for contemporary minds, lot casting would be like flipping a coin, heads or tails. What's he saying? Every little detail, every coin toss comes down to God's plan. Baffles my mind. Follow along as I read again verse 4. Proverbs 16, verse 4. The Lord works out everything for his own ends, even the wicked, for a day of disaster. Look at verse 9. In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Now you read those verses, and you might conclude everything is fixed. And if everything is fixed, then do my choices even matter? I mean, why plan at all? My choices have no connection to the future. Oh, but then we read verses like verse 3, which says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans, your plans will succeed. Your plans. It seems like our plans and choices do matter. Proverbs 15, 22, going off of this chapter here, Proverbs 15, 22, says plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Proverbs 21, verse 5, you can just jot it down, look at it later. Proverbs 21, 5 speaks to the plans of the diligent that lead to profit. See, we're also in Proverbs, we're given the example of the ants in, in Proverbs 6, 6 and 7. We're given the example of the farmer in Proverbs 24, 27. We're given the example of the virtuous wife in Proverbs 31. And all encouraging us to carefully plan. Careful planning. Now, we might conclude from these verses then, those that speak of our plans and we're to be diligent in our plans, we, we might conclude from these verses and many others like it, that our future is set by our choices. Like Doc says in Back to the Future, your future is whatever you make it, so make it a good one. Is that how it works? Is that how it works? My choices determine all of my future. It's all about what I choose. I'm the only one who has any say in this and what it looks like. I don't know about you, but if that is true, that everything is set by my choices, I wouldn't want to get out of bed in the morning. (laughs) What if I make the wrong choice? I'm doomed. I'm doomed. So so is is it our plans or is it God's plans? The answer is yes to both. Now, this is crucial to our proper approach to planning. Scripture is clear. Our plans are ours. We are responsible for them. But what actually happens as a result of those plans is controlled by God. See, that being said, What you're going to hear this morning is we are encouraged to plan. We are encouraged to plan. Our plans do matter. Our choices do we make today should be based on an anticipation of the future. In other words, I want us to think of the future in present tense. Now, there are at least 20 references to planning in the book of Proverbs I'm not going to look at all of those, but several of them. And so let's look at a few of those Proverbs that's this morning that speak of planning. 
Now, there's two headings, if you're taking notes, and this would help you to kind of hang these things on. There's two headings for this morning. One heading, the first heading is uh, some enemies to planning, some enemies to planning. And then the second heading is some essentials for planning. Some enemies to planning, and then some essentials for planning. Well, let's first look at some enemies to planning. I'm going to give you two of them. First of all, presumption. Presumption is an enemy to planning. Look with me at Proverbs 27, verse 1. Now, you know, as we're looking at Proverbs here, this is the nature of it. We've got to bounce around here and look at these verses. Okay, Proverbs 27, verse 1. You can go there. It says, 27.1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Now, for all of you non-planners out there, this is one of your life verses. You got this on a card, and you're, you love this verse. You quote it all the time. It's, it's, it's akin to the verse in the New Testament that says, Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You love that verse, non-planners. You love it. You say, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't need a plan. That is true. No sense worrying about it. True. No sense worrying about tomorrow. Perhaps you're feeling a little like Charlie Brown. Linus says to him, I guess it's wrong to always be worrying about tomorrow. Maybe we should think only about today. And Charlie Brown responds, I'm still hoping that yesterday will get better. (laughs) You know the feeling. You know the feeling. Are we to keep looking back? Should we live only for today? Is it unspiritual to plan for the future? Now, Proverbs 27.1 isn't discouraging planning, but what? Overconfidence in our plans, presumption. We should not presume we can predict with certainty what will happen in the future. As only Yogi Berra could put it, prediction is very bad, especially when it's about the future. That's all prediction is. This proverb here, Proverbs 27.1, is addressing this matter of presumption. It is presumptuous to think that we can plan without God. Remember the parable of the rich man in Luke 12? He was so wealthy that his barns were filled to overflowing. He wasn't thinking of the future at all in the present tense, but only that he would be all set for his future. He stored it. Oh, I'm all set. I don't have a care in the world. And then, then remember Lord's words to the rich man's planning? Absent of God. Do you remember his words? He said, you fool. This night your soul will be required of you. We cannot presume on God that we have even tomorrow. C.S. Lewis holds the future in balance when he says, We are to live each day as though it were our last, but planning as though our world might last a hundred years. Don't presume. That's an enemy to planning. There's a second enemy to planning, and that is procrastination. Oh, no. Proverbs 13, verse 4, you can turn there. If you're a procrastinator, you might wait till tomorrow to do that. But Proverbs 13, 4. Sorry, I'll try not to take too many shots here. Mine's coming, by the way. Mine's coming. 
Not that I never do this, because I do. Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of the sluggard craves, and he gets nothing. Now, we're going to talk more of the sluggard here in a couple of weeks, but suffice it to say now, this proverb here is saying, His intentions without follow-through accomplish nothing. You can crave all you want. You can desire all you want. You can set up all kinds of goals if you, you want. But if you don't actually carry them out, they mean nothing. That's what it's saying. That's what it's saying. You know the poem, right? Procrastination is my sin. It brings me not but sorrow. I know that I should stop it. In fact, I will tomorrow, right? Tomorrow. I believe it was Mark Twain who quipped, never put off till tomorrow what may be done after tomorrow just as well. Yeah, well, don't live by that either. See, all your procrastinators going, I like this. It's good. What does procrastination say? Someday, later. Why do we procrastinate? I do it too. Why do we procrastinate? I believe it would serve us well to determine why we are procrastinating on making a decision. There are several reasons, several possibilities as to why we procrastinate. It might be because we have set unrealistic goals and we can't meet them, so we just procrastinate and put them off. It might be because we're fearful of the work required. Ah, if I say yes to this and I stop making decisions, I'm going to have to roll up my sleeves and work it. Ah, I'd rather just put it off. It might be because we're just too comfortable right where we are. We might procrastinate. It can occur because we're paralyzed by indecision. We don't really want to make a decision. We'd prefer someone else make it for us, right? So we sit and think and we sit and think, well, mostly sit. A man spoke of three steps that he always goes through is when there's a job to be done. <laughs> he says, first of all, my first step is I contemplate what needs to be done. My second step is I contemplate how I'm going to get it done. And he says, my third step is I contemplate. Yeah. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? I contemplate. Some would rather just talk about what they plan to do. So we have all kinds of good intentions, but never actually get around to doing them. I ask you, what is keeping you from carrying out your intentions? Be honest about that. Look, look hard at that. What's keeping you from carrying out your intentions? What have you put off for someday or later that you know needs to get done now? Do you find yourself saying, when things start to slow down, I'll give myself to that? Or when the kids are out of the house, I'll give myself to that. Or after I get married, I'll give myself to that. Or you fill in the blank. Perhaps you're here this morning, and you have put off the decision to receive God's gift of salvation. Say someday, someday. It's been said the road to hell is paved with good intentions. What really... Be honest. What really is getting in the way of your deciding to trust Christ with your soul and with your future? Perhaps you're here this morning. You're putting off radically living for Christ and until later on in life. I want to do these things first, and after I do these things first, when I'm old and there's nothing else to do, then I'll live radically for Christ. And we say things like that. I remember saying as a teenager, I don't want to give these things up now, but someday I will. But I have nothing else to do. 
How'd that work out? I mean, what makes you think it's going to be any different five or ten years from now? Watch out for the sin of procrastination, which has no definite plans to reach its objective. Imagine yourself. Imagine yourself going on a cruise to an island. After a week out on the ocean, you realize you still haven't reached your destination. So you go to the captain and you say, you know, it seems like we should have arrived to the island by now. When do you plan to arrive? And the captain answers, plans? I don't have any plans. I just trust God to guide the boat to the right destination. (laughs) You say, that's absurd. That's ridiculous. Yet how many people drift through life in the same way? They make no plans, yet expect somehow they're going to reach their destination. Presumption procrastination, two enemies of change. There are likely others I could mention, but I really want to move to thinking on some essentials for planning. And I boiled it down to four principles, four principles. The first principle, the first essential here is we are not to plan evil. We are not to plan evil. Now, this seems rather obvious. Proverbs 3.29 is clear. Proverbs 3.29 says, Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. And chapter 6, and the list of seven things God hates, is mentioned a heart that devises wicked schemes. Now, likely most, if not all in this room, are not sitting around planning some evil and wicked scheme right now. Yet, is the subtlety, yet, might we secretly be planning how we can get even with someone? Are we secretly planning how we might get away with something? Are we planning what we're going to say if we get caught? Are we scheming how we can hide this certain behavior from our spouse or or from our boss or from our parents or for other Christians in the room or or whatever might be the case? Are are we scheming on how we're going to hide this, how we're going to keep it from them? I mean, how much time are we spending on how not to get caught? Those are plans. They are evil plans. And Proverbs says we're not to give any thought to it whatsoever. We're not to plan evil. Watch the subtlety of that one. Second principle is this, another essential for planning, is planning helps us to avoid hasty choices. Planning helps us to avoid hasty choices. You don't have to turn there, but Proverbs 19.2 puts it this way. It says, it is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. Look at Proverbs 21, verse 5. Proverbs 21, verse 5. Proverbs 21, 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. The point this proverb is making is through contrast. Diligent planning is a safeguard against hasty decisions. Now, what might that look like for you? What might that look like for you to not make a, a, how planning might help you to avoid a hasty decision or a hasty choice? What might that look like? Well, if you don't plan a budget, then you're more likely to make hasty purchases. 
If we don't plan the kind of friends we surround ourselves with, we're going to be hasty in choosing the wrong kind of companionship. If you have no plan as to the use of your time, get this, you will be at the mercy of everyone else. Everyone else who has a wonderful plan for your life. You'll be at their mercy because you have no plan how to use your time. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay, yep, okay, yep, mm -hmm, yep. I'm not describing anybody in this room, but if the shoe fits, I have to watch that. It fits me. Some are not planning, and so they find themselves hastily reacting to one crisis after another, which leaves them, what, utterly exhausted. Planning helps us to act rather than react. Let me ask you, are you doing a lot of reacting lately? Maybe it's because you don't have a plan. Maybe. At least look there. Maybe. Planning helps us to avoid hasty choices. Thirdly, third principle is is you may need to alter your plan. You may need to alter your plan. Now, this is where it's going to meddle in my life just a little bit. You may need to alter your plan. So I'm just going to go to principle number four. You understand that one? No, I'm kidding. I'm going to hit number three. Here's a word for the planners in this room, and you know who you are. Some here live by the adage, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You love that. You quote it. You have it written out. Your favorite verse is, without a vision, the people will perish. You love that verse. I've got to have a plan. What's the word to you as you plan? God may intervene and go in a different direction than your plan. We saw early in Proverbs 16, verse 9. You can look at it again. Proverbs 16, 9. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. In Proverbs 19, 21, 19, 21, it says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Well, what are these verses getting at? Well, it's saying, yes, have a plan. Be diligent in working on that plan and working out that plan. But here's the warning. Hold loosely to those plans. This is hard for a planner like me. I have plans on my plans, if you know what I'm talking about. I'm still learning this lesson. God continually reminds me to never make my plans an idol. That's why the alarm went off this morning, you know. It has all to do with that. Pastor Brian had a plan. Something else going on. See, we must always submit our plans to the sovereign purposes of God. It's to pray as John Newton prayed what you will, when you will, how you will. Saying, Lord, I trust you to give me or not give me whatever you choose. Do you need to pray something like that? Let me ask you, is there a plan you have, that you have that you have yet to submit to God's plan? You got it all worked out. You haven't submitted to him yet. Do you have a plan like that? Can you alter it if needed? You see, everything is under God's control. Think about the implications of that fact. Everything is under God's control. Imagine if we really lived there all the time. You you know what it means? One thing it means, we can relax. We can relax. The pressure's off. 
Now, it doesn't mean we should be passive and have a fatalistic approach to life. No, we're responsible for our plans and choices, but the beauty is the outcome is in God's hands. Why wouldn't I then submit my plans to him? Why wouldn't I alter my plan if needed, if it's all under his control anyway? What's getting in the way of that? Remember, God's guidance is as much something God does as something God gives. That leads to one more principle, principle number four. God is a God who does all things according to plan. God is a God who does all things according to plan. God has plans. We saw in the passage that was read, we looked at earlier in chapter 16, the Lord works out everything for his own ends, it said in verse 4. God does not have this knee-jerk response to situations, but rather deliberate actions that fit into his wise purpose. God says in Isaiah 46, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. See, God does all things according to plan. God sent forth his son according to plan. Ephesians 1 says, God has made known to us in all wisdom and insight the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Acts 2.23 states that Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. See, God is a God who does all things according to plan. And since that is true, it behooves us to approach the most important things in life with forethought and plan and not haphazardly. The plea from the pulpit to you this morning is this. One word, plan. Plan. Plan the notes you need to write. Plan the people you need to encourage. Plan the scripture that you want to impart to your children. Plan the ones you need to prayerfully consider discipling. Plan the visits that you want to make. Plan the people that you want to have over. Plan the person you want to share the gospel with. Think of the future in present tense. Don't let your future become a time when you'd wish you had done what you aren't doing now. As it's been said, when you're dying of thirst, it's no time to think about digging a well. Think of that in advance. Proverbs 14, 15 says, The simple believes everything, but the prudent looks where he is going. Are you looking to where you are going or simply focusing all your energy and attention to the immediate right in front of you? Planning must be a regular part of our life or the most important things will always get pushed aside by urgent demands. Plan this day how prayer, how meditation on God's word, fellowship with God's people, storing up treasures in heaven is going to be significant parts of your life. Let's live the future in the present tense. Are you running to God? when you need guidance, or you're becoming the person that is guided? Are you running to God only when you need guidance, or you're becoming the person that is guided? Because that's what Scripture emphasizes. I want to leave you with one very practical way we are to be people, become people who are guided. Here's how we make wise plans and choices. In the passage that was read earlier, Proverbs 16, you can go back there again. I want to look at this one more time, and then we're done. Verse 3, Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16, verse 3. 
Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Now, I need to know what this is not saying. This isn't saying, commit your plans to the Lord. It's not what it's saying. That's what we like it to say, and that's often how we, we, we read those, this verse and other verses like it. It is more than committing our plans to the Lord. It is to commit whatever we do to the Lord, it says in the first part of 16.3. And often we misread this. So we come to difficult situations in life. A career choice, our choice of mate, what college to attend, where to live, what house to buy. And then we go to seek God's guidance on that singular issue. So many, so often, come to God at that moment of decision and cry out to God, God, give me guidance. God doesn't promise to give you that at the snap of your fingers as if he's some genie in the sky granting you three wishes. That's going to the envelope system. Open it. What's it say? Sounds good. God does guidance in you as you commit your entire life to him, become the kind of person that is guided by him. We're not to approach God in Scripture like envelopes marked 1, 2, and 3. What's it say? 16.3. We are to commit our whole life to him, and as we commit everything to him, we will, over time, make smart, wise, and successful plans. The word commit there literally means roll over onto It's the idea of putting all your weight onto something. I commit myself to my bed at night by rolling over onto it and putting all my weight on my mattress. If I stand and I look at my mattress and and, and my bed and I acknowledge, well, that's a bed. And simply kind of give assent to the fact that it can hold me, but never get into that bed, then I failed to put my trust in what that bed can do for me for a good night's rest. I commit it to it holding me up when I roll onto it and put all my weight on it. You see, I can say all I want. Yes, God, you're amazing. You're powerful. You're in control of all things. Yes. But it isn't until I put my weight on him, unconditionally trust him with all my life, my plans, my decisions, my activities, my desires, that I can know that he will help me make right decisions. You see, is when we learn to commit all that we do to him, we find that we slowly become people who make wise plans. Slowly. We want it like this. It's not how it works. Guidance is God's responsibility. Becoming the kind of person that is guided is ours. See, putting the future in present tense means knowing what it is you want and then making the choices in the present that will get you there. Proverbs is clear that reaching tomorrow's goals affects the way we operate now. I ask you the question, do you know where you're headed? And do you have a plan to get there? What's the alternative? There was an atheist from Finland who stated in his will that he wanted to leave his farm to the devil. 
When he died, the legal system was dumbfounded over how they're going to honor this request. Finally, after weeks of deliberation, the court decided the best way to carry out the farmer's wishes was to permit the weeds and the briars to take over the farmland, to allow the house and barn to remain unpainted and eventually rot, and to let the soil erode and wash away. The court declared in its ruling this statement, the best way to let the devil have possession of anything is to do nothing. The best way to let the devil have possession of anything is to do nothing. What is your plan? What is your plan to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ? What is your plan for deepening and strengthening your relationship with your spouse? What's your plan for teaching and playing with your children? What's your plan for taking care of your body, the right exercise, stay healthy, get enough sleep, physical rest and renewal? What's your plan? What's your plan for using your spiritual gifts in this church and for developing relationships here at FBCW? What's your plan? What's your plan? The cost of doing nothing is great. Wise people know where they want to go in life and have a plan for getting there. Let's pray. Father, may we go in confidence this morning that you're a God who has plans for our lives and you are doing that in our lives. You are doing guidance all the time. Help us to know where we need to be, that we're people who are guided by you, that we're where we need to be, that we're willing to surrender all to you, commit our whole life to you, and live there, and not just want these shortcuts to your guidance. Speak to our hearts on this. Challenge us as to what fits right from this passage, what we looked at this morning to our own life, that we may be people who make decisions now, because we want to become what you want us to become in the future. And we say all to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.